You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, and before we get started with today's episode, I want to make sure that you know that I'll be teaching a free masterclass the first week of April all about how to overcome overwhelm. If you ever feel like the weight of your family is on you, on your shoulders, and you are about to collapse underneath the load of it all, this class is for you. I will teach you three actionable steps you can take to start reprioritizing your responsibilities and shifting your perspectives so family life feels more manageable and less overwhelming. Sound too good to be true? Well, the class is free, so you have nothing to lose by signing up and coming to see if I can help you. The Overcoming Overwhelm Masterclass will be offered twice during the first week of April, so you can choose the time that is best for you, and there will also be a replay. Just go to 3in30podcast.com slash masterclass to reserve your seat. That's 3in30podcast.com slash masterclass. You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, Episode 42, How to Love Someone When It's Hard or Complicated, Lessons from Open Adoption. And this is a bonus episode because it's actually the second that I've aired this week, but I really felt like I wanted to put this one out into the world on the tail end of the other one that I released on Monday because they're really part of the same story. One isn't complete without the other. I hope that you enjoy this and thank you for letting me share this piece of my heart with you. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. Today's bonus episode is a little bit different than anything else I've ever aired on the podcast before, and that's because it's actually an excerpt from an interview that I did on another show. All of you here probably know and love Tony Overbay by now. He's been a guest twice on this podcast. He's so likable. He's a licensed marriage and family therapist, a father of four, and he has his own podcast called The Virtual Couch. He invited me to come on his show to talk about IVF and open adoption a couple of months ago. It was probably my favorite guest interview I've ever recorded because Tony is so warm and so easy to talk to that I shared some things that I had never shared publicly before, some really important things that had been in my heart that I had wanted to share, but that I hadn't been able to find the right place or the right words, but somehow Tony brought it out of me. I asked him if I could share an excerpt from that interview on my show, and he graciously agreed. If you are interested, you can listen to the entire episode over on his podcast, which again is The Virtual Couch. Now, the reason why I wanted to air this particular passage of that show is because if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, you know that we have a very open adoption with my son's birth parents. And from the outside looking in, it may seem like that has been just a really ideal, easy relationship for us to maintain for all of these years. And truthfully, it has become easy and has become an ideal relationship. But it wasn't always that way. And I feel like I really want to tell the rest of the story because I think it could apply to other relationships in life and perhaps relationships in your life that you may have with different people 
where the situation may be complicated and you're doing your best to navigate it and to share love, but you're not totally sure how to do that. I feel like some of these lessons from open adoption may apply. If you listen to the episode that I aired on Monday, you know that we lost my son's birth mother in November to mental illness. Our relationship with her has been a true gift and a treasure in our lives, and she is greatly missed. I wanted this next part of our story to be shared as well, so you can see how we came to have this relationship with Katie. So I'm going to jump right into this interview that Tony Overbay hosted with me as the guest. And we spent the first half of this interview talking about how my husband and I had pursued infertility treatments and adoption at the same time. So that's what we're talking about as this interview starts to give you a little bit of context. And at the end of this passage, I will jump back in and give you my three takeaways about how to love people even when it's hard or complicated. So here is Tony. Okay, so what, what's, you know, you drive now. So now we've got, I love how you've laid out that, yeah, these are two separate things. They're going on at the same time. What an emotional journey, roller coaster. So where do we go next? So I feel like I should clarify just for listeners who aren't familiar with my story. So, okay. um, in the end, Noah did come to us through adoption. Mm. And then um, after Noah was born, we did in vitro for our second baby. So we've done both. And yeah. it's been just like a great experience and hard, but f- lessons that I would not change and I would not trade. And one of the most meaningful things for me has been the open adoption that we have with my son's birth parents. Okay, talk so, about that. And that's one of those where I don't 100% know the terminology. So I could, uh, I could pretend I do, but I'm gonna, I want you to, you drive. Okay, so um, adoptions have varying levels. I mean, sometimes they're completely closed where there's no contact or very limited contact with the birth mom. You may know her first name or something like that, but nothing more or not. You may not okay. even know that. But I feel like that's becoming less and less common. Um, in, you know, recent years, it's more common to have open or at least semi-open to some level of adoption. We both knew going into it, all of us knew that we wanted an open adoption. Okay. That I really felt like it would be the best thing for Noah if he knew his birth parents um, and if he knew why they chose adoption for him, all of those things. I also felt like it would be the best thing for Katie, his birth mom, if she continued to know that he was loved and cared for and protected. Yeah. What I don't think I realized at the time was how much it would bless me and my, like me personally, the relationships that I've developed with them and the ways that I've learned about love and the ways that I've grown. It's, I would never, if I had a choice, I would never do it differently. Okay. Um, But all that to say (laughs) that it has been one of the hardest experiences of my life too, figuring out how to navigate and how we were going to do this open adoption because it wasn't all laid out beforehand. It couldn't be because we didn't know exactly how it would feel and how much contact would be too much. And if it would make her sad to see him or sad to see pictures or if it would be comforting to her we didn't know any of that. So 
we knew we wanted contact and openness, but I don't think we knew quite how much. And that just, that evolved over time. I feel like there was give and take as we learned more about each other and as we grew to trust each other over the years. So Katie, 16, when she had him, actually, I think she had just turned 17 when she had him. And um, his birth dad was 18 and Drew. And we knew we wanted to stay in touch with both of them. And then over that first two years, I would say it was really hard to figure out what that would look like. But we just stuck it out. And like, I just really, we all just really tried to let love and love for Noah drive, like be in the driver's seat. Yeah. And um, so the hard things were things like this. Um, She was a teenager, so she wanted to post to social media. Uh. So there would be things like, you know, pictures of Noah and then I miss my baby so much, Uh. stuff like that. And so then I'm like, okay, how do I feel about this? And I would have to work through my own emotions of feeling a little bit maybe possessive or um, I'm not exactly sure what, but that feeling of like, is this good for my baby to be online? Is it okay that she calls him her baby? How do I love her well, but also have these boundaries? But I also just recognize that she was a teenager and that everything that she was doing was developmentally appropriate and that at her core she just loved Noah like that was just the bottom line and she is so smart and so fun and loving and kind and she actually came to visit we had visits and I never worried that like anything was inappropriate or that she was trying to confuse him in any way about who his mom was so the more that I grew to trust them with those visits and drew would come too. Yeah. Um, like I could see that they were respectful of us as Noah's parents, that they loved him so much that they were growing up and maturing. And I really had to like, let go of some of my own kind of natural man feelings of possessiveness and, and just recognize that the more people who loved this baby, the better. You know? So how, how, I mean, that's a great example of how did you get through that? Was that through, did you just have to kind of let that go? Did you, did you talk that through with Noah's birth mom or how did that work? Like, like you know, that social media, that's a great example. Yeah. I, I never directly talked through it with her because okay. I was very sensitive of where she was at and that she was grieving and she grieved hard. Like, I feel like she kind of went through a honeymoon period for the first nine months of Noah's life where she was like smitten with the adoption. Mm. And then like nine months to like 18 months, I think she felt some regret. I think some of her other friends had babies and decided to parent. And so she saw their pictures on social media that were of course the highlight reel of their cute babies. And then she's like, well, maybe that should, maybe I should have done that all totally appropriate, natural parts of the grieving process. And I, so I just sort of stood back and tried to respect that. And so I didn't directly talk to her about it because nothing ever made me 
nervous enough or like there was nothing that I thought was inappropriate and I needed to talk to her about it. It was just sure. kind of me walking through her walking. That, through no, that's good. Her. So he's had some awareness around it. You were, I mean, you could maybe talk through it with your husband and, and that, that would. Exactly. Yeah. And I did talk it through with my husband and you know, the biggest turning point for me, and um, this is an experience that I don't, I haven't shared often, but I feel comfortable sharing is that there was one night where I saw something that she'd posted and I felt these feelings where I was just like, what do I do with this? Like, I felt, I felt possessive. I felt like, is she ever going to be okay? Mm. Did, did we ruin her life by adopting her baby? Is she like, I felt so many things, you know, I just can't even describe all the things that I felt. Um, and I just prayed. Like I just, I just got on my knees and poured it all out. And I remember saying to God, like, are we ever going to have a baby that's just our own that we don't have to learn how to share? And it was the most direct, clear answer to a prayer I have ever gotten ever. And I feel like I don't really get lightning bolt answers to prayers except for with Noah's adoption. Like my clearest answers have always been surrounding Noah's adoption. I just felt like he, like, I wasn't like I heard a voice or anything, but it was just like in my mind, it seemed so clear. The thought came to me, Noah is mine. He's not yours. He's not Katie's. He's mine. Okay. You are mine. And Katie is mine. And I'm going to take care of all of you. And I just remember feeling this peace and feeling like, what do I do for her? Like, I don't know, is seeing these pictures and these videos and all these things of Noah making this harder on her? Like, should I pull back? Should I, what do I do? I don't, I remember just thinking, well, I don't know what to do. And again, it was so clear, this thought that came that said, you know what to do. Just love her. That it was just like, that is, I mean, it was just so clear. It was like, you know what to do when something's, someone's having a hard time. You just love them. Like just pour more love on her and involve her more. Sorry, this is a little bit emotional. Oh, please. That's, I mean, I mean, imagine coming out of that and not worried about, you know, what she's posting this or this, and it's just, just love her. I mean, that's, that gives me chills to kind of think about what a, what a relief and what a comfort and what a joy that must've brought. Yes. And it was like, and think of all the ways that you can involve her in Noah's life and let her be a part. And then she won't feel so much grief and so much like she'll she'll know that she's still a part and she's still important and so I feel like that was a turning point where I I really let go of all those feelings of possessiveness of any whatever it was that I was feeling and I just was like we're all in on this open adoption you know and so she's been at his birthday every year she's been at you know at different holidays and um this is a little heavy. To, yeah, I, I think I know. I mean, you know where this is going. Yeah, I do. Um, yeah. And, but Katie actually passed away this past um, November. Yeah. She struggled with extreme depression and um, she took her own life. And I, when I got that news, I was actually on an airplane. It was, I was in between my two flights 
And I just remember sitting on the plane and just crying, thinking how grateful I was that I had listened yeah. to that prompting, however many, four years ago, to just love her and to just let her be in our family. I didn't, obviously, I didn't know how the story would end. And yeah. it, it's not ended. It's not over. Like right. she's still going to be very much a part of our our family and we're going to talk about her and Noah's going to know her. But I just cried thinking, what if I would have pushed her away? What if I wouldn't have loved her, you know? And um, what a blessing and a joy she was in our life and in Noah's life. He knows her. He has memories of her and I know her and I have memories of her that I'm going to be able to share with him. And the biggest blessing is that his birth dad is still really involved in his okay. life, yeah. which is really unusual. Most of the time, birth dads are out of the picture even before the baby's born a lot of the times. But Drew is like a rock and is still in his life and is has come to visit us since Katie's death. And we just all sat around and talked about Katie and how much we loved her. And I'm just overwhelmingly grateful like it's the biggest blessing of my entire life that we have brought them into our family like yeah. there's there's no experience like it there's I recently told someone I think that being at Noah's birth because I was there in the room I think that that was one of the most amazing experiences in my life is what I said and then I thought and I said no it was the most amazing experience of my life for sure wow. becoming a mother yeah. And also watching Katie give birth and go through that. And she insisted that I be the first one to hold him. Wow. And so holding Noah for the first time, showing him to Katie, sharing that joy with her. And Ryan came right in. He wasn't actually in the room when she gave birth, but immediately as soon as Noah came, he was in there hugging me. We were all there. It was a little piece of heaven on earth. That kind of love, that kind of unselfish love best moment of my life taught me more about love than any other experience I've ever had. I love it. I, and I, and I do, you know, I, uh, you have an episode, a podcast episode where you talk about that experience with, um, Katie's passing. And that's a powerful episode because you, you do talk about how you can grow from these really difficult experiences. And so, um, I, I hope that people will go listen to that episode because that, that one resonated with me. And, and, but I, I didn't, I had no idea of that story about the the prayer um leading yeah yeah i haven't i've wanted to share it on my podcast and i will eventually okay. but i haven't i haven't quite found i actually tried to record it shortly after she passed away and i couldn't okay. it was it's still so fresh for me i, I mean imagine. the only yeah. She only died in November. I, yeah. What is that? Six months ago? Six I months. Can't. Yeah, five, six months. Yeah. I mean, every day. I think about her every day. Like, mm. she's on my mind. She's in my heart. And it's really, really fresh for me still. But I also want... I want to share this message yes. of just loving people. Yeah. And open adoption can't be this way for everyone. If, if she had had, um, you know, drug addictions or different things where I felt like it was risky to have Noah with her sure. or anything, obviously as a parent, you have to think through it and think what is safe for the child, what is best for the child. Yeah. In this case though, I just felt so compelled to allow them to be part of Noah's life. And little did I know 
what a blessing it would be in my life and in our whole family's life. And we're going to be connected to her family, Andrew's family forever. They're our Mm -hmm. family now. In the end with Noah, I was so grateful that my body hadn't worked because I got Noah. Yeah. So this was that on your podcast. I love that. Okay. Say that again. Sorry. I, that I tell him and I tell him that, you know, so he knows the story of his birth. He knows his birth parents. He he knows what adoption is. We've explained all that to him. And I just always say to him, I am so grateful that my body didn't work because that's how we got you. I love that. that. And he actually, when he was about three years old, someone was surprised to hear me say birth parents in front of him. And they were like, does he know? Like just, and I said, yeah, he knows. And he said, does he know what that means? And I said, well, I've told him, but let's see what he says. And then I said, Noah, what does it mean that you're adopted? And he said, he thought about it for a second. And then he said, a long time ago, three years ago, but a long <laughs> time ago, <laughs> a long time ago, my mom's body was sick. And so Heavenly Father sent us Katie so that I could get to my family. And that's called adoption. Wow. And I was like, wow, I had never, he put it so much better than I had ever, Yeah. you know, worded it. I am so grateful to Tony for letting me share that excerpt from his podcast. And to listen to the entire interview, it's number 54 on Tony's Great Podcast, The Virtual Couch, which he covers important topics affecting families that he often gets asked about during his therapy sessions in his role as a counselor. I totally recommend his podcast, so head over and find it. You can listen to my episode or many others on important topics. Okay, so let's talk open adoption and my takeaways for this episode. I need you to know up front that if I sound echoey or if I sound like I'm whispering, it's because I am whispering (laughs) and I am in an echoey bathroom. I'm in a bathroom. Yeah, I'm recording in a bathroom right now. Um, We are on a family vacation with like extended family right now and every single room in this house is occupied except for the bathroom. So that is where I am, and I hope that you will forgive me. I didn't think I was going to air this bonus episode this week because I didn't get it edited before my trip. But I just really felt like I should. And so here I am in the bathroom. But I want to talk to you more about open adoption and what I've learned. So some of what I just admitted in that episode, I am not proud of like the feelings of possessiveness that I had when Noah was a baby. I would rather pretend that I was just perfectly selfless and loving from the very beginning. I feel like sometimes admitting these feelings that I had is kind of unflattering. But as is true with pretty much everything in life, I had to work at it and get better at it. And as you've heard, I needed support from family and from God throughout the journey. So the only point in my sharing weaknesses and what I've learned from them on this podcast is to hopefully help you in different situations that come up in your life. And that's why I'm willing to be honest and to go there. Um, Your life situations will be different from mine, but I think that some may still have relevance. Do you have a relationship in your life that's complicated? Maybe with someone at work or in your extended family or in your circle of friends. 
I really only have one takeaway for you. And that is that clear answer to prayer that I got that night on my knees when I was feeling so conflicted about everything going on with Katie. The takeaway is this, just love that person. Giving them more love, not less, is always going to be the answer. But I do understand that love is nuanced and life is complicated and it's not always as straightforward as just inviting someone into your life or into your arms for a big hug, especially if there's some really complicated situations going on. So here are the three different applications of my overall takeaway. Um, Three different scenarios of how you can love someone even when it's complicated or hard. The first one is to pull them in closer when your instinct may be to push them away. As a little bit of background, when Noah was a baby and Katie was struggling so much, I alluded to this a little bit on the podcast, but I didn't go into it too much. Pretty much everyone in my life was advising me to pull back in that relationship. Friends, family, everyone was saying, this is too hard. It's too hard on Katie. It's too hard on you. You need to pull back. Um, And yet, I never felt good about that. And when I prayed about it, I got the exact opposite answer. Instead of pulling back, lean in, pull her closer. And that surprised me, but it worked. So think about if there's somebody that you really struggle with at work or in your extended family, your instinct may be to push them away, but maybe the answer is to pull them in closer and to show them more love. But that may not be the answer. And that leads to scenario number two. There may be some relationships where you realize that you need to keep your distance somewhat for whatever reason. But I would add to that, keep your distance, but love them from where you are. There may be situations where it wouldn't be safe emotionally or otherwise to be really close to someone. And as I mentioned in that interview with Tony, that may be the case in some adoptions and absolutely no judgment on that. But you can still love and respect someone and have some distance from them. One of my favorite mothers to follow on Instagram is Kelly E. Jensen. And she told the most touching story about her two sons. And I've always remembered it. She said that her son, who's about 12, was trying to hug his brother. And his little brother was cranky and didn't want to be hugged or tickled or teased. And was, you know, really putting off his brother, his older brother, and saying, no, get away from me type of thing. And the older boy said to him, that's okay, Sam, I can love you from here. And Kelly went on to say that she's thought about that line ever since, I can love you from here. And I think that is so applicable to people in our lives that maybe we can't pull in and pull closer for whatever reason, to just think, I can love you from here. So maybe that just means sending positive thoughts, saying prayers for them, um, sending them letters, just cultivating love and respect in your home for that person, even if you can't have them in your daily life for whatever reason. And then the third scenario is 
perhaps with someone who has hurt you so badly that you really can't pull them closer and you can't even love them from where you are. Like you're, you're a step beyond that. And that's okay too. In the case of adoption, maybe your children were actually abused or neglected by their biological parents. And so you're, the idea of loving and respecting them is just unimaginable to you at this moment. In this scenario, I would say that the best way to start loving that person or to start applying this takeaway would be to just open your heart to the idea of forgiveness. It's not even, I'm not even saying to open your heart to forgiveness quite yet, but to just open it to the idea that maybe at some point it might be possible to forgive this person who dramatically hurt you or dramatically hurt someone that you love. And that may start with simply thinking about the situation that they themselves must have been in in order to hurt you or the people you love. That maybe how they were raised or how they were loved or not loved led them to then inflict pain on others. It doesn't justify it, but it may open your heart somewhat to the idea of forgiveness. And then over time, if you keep that door open, I really think a forgiveness or at least a toleration or acceptance can come where a seed of love is more likely to be planted. I don't claim that I can even begin to understand some of the pain that people in this world go through and that some of you out there listening, I know some of you out there listening have gone through. And I would never want to pretend that love or forgiveness is easy in every situation. But it is my sincere hope that it's possible because in the end, love and forgiveness set us free, even if they don't really affect the other person. They really free us. And that's why I feel like it's worth trying and it's worth doing. So those are my three takeaways for how to just love someone, even when it's hard or complicated, that you can pull them in closer, even when your instinct may be to push them away, that you can keep your distance, but love them from where you are, or that you can simply open your heart to the idea of forgiveness and let that work in you and see what happens. I know I've said it many times and I'll say it again. Thank you for caring enough to listen to these really personal solo episodes that I've been putting out, even in an echoey bathroom (laughs) while on vacation. I wouldn't feel so compelled and excited to keep doing it if I didn't feel like it was such a blessing in my life. So thank you for being here. I hope that this is helpful. I hope that you can sense through this episode how much I love Katie and how our relationship wasn't always easy and smooth, but it was worth it. It was so worth it to work through the bumps and to get to such a comfortable place. And I'm so grateful for the great privilege that I had to love her fully in those last few years of her life. Thank you for being here. Thank you for loving your family so well. And we'll see you on Monday for our regularly scheduled weekly episode of 3 and 30.